These words again from Second Peter 1, beginning in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we have been saying over and over again throughout our study of these beginning words of chapter 1, knowledge of God, the knowledge of God is at the very heart of all of the other qualities of our sanctification that are spoken about here. We see those words, knowledge of God. They're in verse 2. We see it in verse 3. We see it in verse 5, in verse 6, and now here in verse 8. And so then you and I have to conclude that God is strongly exhorting you and me to do all that we can to get to know Him, to gain understanding of who God is and all that He does as God and as Lord over all of this earth. And He's given us all the provision that we need for that to take place. Simply through our continual reading and diligent study of His precious Word. And so He then gives us these commands to do exactly that. We can learn of God's righteousness and and His holy nature in most every verse that we read. But one that comes to my mind, and I quote it to you often, is in Psalm 119, where God assures us that He is good that He is good, and He does good. He never changes. He never varies from being good. He is always good. He is always trustworthy. He always does good, even when it doesn't seem like He is doing good. He is never not good in any of His ways of being and doing. But listen, listen. The truth is, you and I will never come to really know and trust that. Trust that He is good. Unless we really do get to know Him. And I know I've been pounding on that week after week. But this knowledge of God is so very important. And the reason that so often we look at a circumstance taking place, either around us, in our nation, but especially within our own hearts, And we cry out in those times of trouble, where is God? Where was He when I needed Him most? How often have you heard that said in in one way or another? Why do people say that? Why have you perhaps said that? It's because they truly haven't gotten to know God. It's probably in those days when you and I haven't known God, or maybe even now that we don't know Him in the way that we should. To know that He really was there all along. He is there all of the time, giving us aid and comfort. Why can't we see Him in those difficult times? It's only because of one reason. Because we don't know Him in the way that we should. And so as we read here, God wants us to know Him. To get to know Him. And so He says, be diligent. Reach in. I'm giving you all the divine power that you need, but make every effort to get to know me. 
to add to how you know me, to add virtue and knowledge and self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. Get to know me, God is saying. I don't want you just to have it as points of information. I want it to become experiential for you. I want you to know me and I want all of these character qualities to become a part of your life, part of who you are and what you do. Note there in verse 8, the purpose for which God impresses this great call upon your and my soul. It's so that we will be effective and fruitful in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those words. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you effective? Are you fruitful? You and I need to be. In John chapter 15, I want you to turn there if you will. John chapter 15. This is what God wants you and me, or why God wants you and me, to get to know Him. Yes, we will be personally blessed, but He wants you and me to turn then and bless all of those around us. Listen to these words. This is John 15, beginning in verse 5. I am the vine, he says. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Do you bear fruit? Do you bless others or are you simply caught up in asking others to bless you? This is the turn that God wants you and me to take. And the way that comes about We read in verse 8 again. For if you possess these qualities, and he's talking again about godly sanctification, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. If you possess those qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we can be so caught up in looking for our own blessings some relief from our own problems, our own troubles, whether they be physical or emotional, family problems, financial problems. And we're just looking for someone else to help us. You know what's taking place? We haven't got time to be effective and fruitful. If we were a branch, you'd see no fruit hanging off of our branches. This word translated here in this verse as unproductive, it means to be unfruitful, not able to bear fruit. It can't be any more clearly given. Listen, when you and I first become saved, you and I are engrafted into this vine of Christ. And then it becomes our purpose from that moment forward to begin to bear fruit, much fruit. These words bespeak also verse 4 where we're told that we actually become partakers of God's divine nature. Think about that. He is the vine and we are the branches. We actually become 
part of that vine. We're engrafted branches of that vine. And we become part of who He is, His divine nature, His nutrients, His life-giving Spirit flowing continuously through His vine, out through us as the branches, producing life in us, and then us producing fruit for others. His life in us, and in us producing fruits of righteousness so that others will be blessed. Did you notice there that we're not crying out Lord, do something for me. It is us taking part, our part, within that vine. Blessing others. Do you know where our blessings are going to come from? From those others, those other branches. They are to bless us. And it will also come through the nutrients of that vine. But you and I are to be new people in Christ and we are to bear fruit and that that fruit bearing has got to be able to show in our family. Is anyone in your family being blessed by you right now? It's a question you have to ask yourself. Are you blessing others in your family, in your friendships, with your co-workers? Are you blessing them? That's how you know whether or not you've got fruit. This is the calling and the pathway that Christ has planned out for us, that you and I would bear fruit, much fruit, And let me assure you, what he's saying is true. He says, if you don't bear fruit, then branches get clipped off, thrown into the fire. So, what are you and I supposed to do with that information? You and I are supposed to go take the next step and to examine, ask the Holy Spirit to examine our souls and reveal to us whether we actually are bearing fruit or if we're just simply sucking up all of the life from other fruit-bearing branches. It needs to be serious with us. We're saved. But have we become ineffective and unproductive and don't even know it? We don't even know it. If that be so, then what we need to do is go back to these words that we were given here today. These are all of the steps of sanctification that the Lord wants us to add back in so that we can begin to be fruitful. In my yard, I have two plum trees, one apple tree, and a fig tree. And they are still early in their stages of life. But I was still really hoping that I was going to get some fruit from those. One of those. Just one of them this year. But none of them bore fruit. One of them bore a couple and then they just fell off. So I wondered what the problem was with those. Perhaps they need to be pruned. But the Lord says it's only as they produce fruit that they're to be pruned. So I thought, in keeping with this analogy that the Lord is giving here, perhaps it is that there is no pollination that's taken place. The fruit did not even have a beginning. Now I know that's just an analogy given here by Scripture, but it really does seem to be applicable. So I've wondered, what could be the problem? that they have become unproductive. Also, why do we become unproductive? Why do we get saved and go no further? It seems that it's this problem that I spoke about a moment ago. God gives us another analogy of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is to rub shoulders with one another. We need to spend time together with other believers. We need to minister to them. In the same 
at the same time, rather, they are ministering to us. But we need to purposefully involve ourselves in a Bible study with other believers where we can have give and take. It's that rubbing up against each other. That's what takes place in pollination. Witnessing and discipling. I looked up that word cross-pollination and I think it does apply. That we as believers, and, and again, forgive so much of the analogy here, but I believe it's true, that you and I, in this rubbing shoulders with other members of the body of Christ, we find that we're having an effect on them and they're having an effect on us. Us bearing fruit that they can partake of and then them bearing fruit that will help us. Do you involve yourself with other Christians for that purpose? God tells us that we need to do that. And he also adds in verse 8 here, he adds an urgency to it. He says there in verse 8, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are adding these qualities of sanctification and you're rubbing up against other believers. The warning that's being implied here is, as I mentioned a moment ago, is that we get saved, but then we often will slack off. That is probably the most common failure within our church, within all the churches. God's children get saved, but they don't get sanctified. Saved but not sanctified. By your all's testimony, every one of you have been saved. Are you being sanctified? You have to ask yourself these questions. That's why God is bringing this to us now. We're to diligently pursue after getting to know Him. And once we know Him, then we immediately are able to see what you and I ought to be about. The first thing we see is that He is not static. He didn't just bring us to a point and then step back off and let us go on our own. He is ever and always dynamic. He's always reaching forward, doing things ahead of time that bless us continually. Always moving forward. And He's saying that, I want you to do that. I was reminded of a song that I enjoy. The song speaks of grace. His grace flowing like a mighty river of life. And the intent is that we would simply dip our finger into that flowing water of His grace. And when we do that, then we would be immediately grabbed by that current and carried along into the wonders of His grace. Places where we had never been before. Because that grace, joy unspeakable. As you then are carried along by that grace, that grace that captivates you, needs to be able to reach out to others. But again, he keeps coming back in these words, not only encouraging but commanding us to make every effort to do our part in all of this. And I was reminded of a book that I've read, and I do recommend it to you. It's by A.W. Tozer. I've mentioned it before. It's called The Pursuit of God. It is when you and I stop pursuing after the blessings that he gives Stop pursuing after what He might do for you or me. And we start to pursue Him personally. That's what this is all about, the knowledge of God. In that book, A.W. Tozer uses as the 
central guide for his words. Psalm 42 verse 1 where he says, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you. Does your soul pant for the person of God? Or does your soul simply want what he might bless you with? As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. And then the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Or do you hunger and thirst for that which God may give you? There is an urgency that God is giving to us in these words that says we need to move on past where we used to be in those early days of our childhood in Christ. We need to move on in increasing measure, ever desiring, ever reaching forward to know our God all the more, all the more. As I thought through this, I thought, what are our stumbling blocks? A stumbling block that is in the Scriptures but also very well matches what goes on in our daily lives. And immediately the parable of the sower in Matthew 13 came to my mind. Turn there with me if you would. Matthew 13. Here Jesus gives a parable so that His disciples can take His truth and match it to what goes on in the physical world. Verse 3 of Matthew 13. Then Jesus spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured it. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. They immediately sprang up because they had no depth, no depth of earth. When the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. By the way, you know why God threw those last words in there? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In every group of people, things may be said, and especially Scripture can be read, but there will be some who simply do not hear. And I don't know why that is, but it is true. And so he's saying, you and I have to intentionally want to hear. And so the disciples didn't understand. They didn't understand this parable. And so they said to him, explain this to us. And so he did. In verse 18, turn there to verse 18, same chapter. Therefore hear the parable of the sower, Jesus said. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one, the devil, comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. The gospel is thrown out to them, but they don't receive it. Verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now picture that. That's the second one. Here's the word and gets excited all about it. But there's no real soil there for the roots to grab hold of. 
Verse 22, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. And he who receives seeds on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now note again, God is talking about us being fruitful. That's the purpose. That's the purpose of Him giving us His Word. Yes, we are getting saved, but are we then manifesting our salvation in our being fruitful? These four soils are so common within our churches today. Some people, they hear this precious word of the gospel, but then they never respond. They'll sit right there and they'll listen to the altar calls, they'll listen to the gospel, and never have anything within them to to really respond. But some do. Some do respond, and they'll come down that aisle, and they'll pray the sinner's prayer. But according to these words here, at least half, the first two soils, it doesn't work. No matter what they do, no matter if they do come down that aisle, It's only in the third soil that some might possibly come to know Christ. Even that is not assured within these words. Those words again. Now he who received seeds among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. There's another version, another place where it's given in one of the other gospels where it says he believed for a while So imagine someone walking down the aisle. They pray the sinner's prayer and they get all excited and they go for days or weeks all excited. But then reality or the thing they call reality starts to set in. I've got to go to work. I've got to earn a living for my family. You don't know the troubles that I'm having with my in-laws. You don't know the troubles that I'm having with my wife or my husband. You don't know the troubles that I'm having with my boss. Or it may even be that he's very successful and he makes big deals and he makes a lot of money. But you know what that money does? That success? It also buys you a bass boat that keeps you from going to church. It buys you a camper that keeps you from going to church. It buys you a golf club membership and you got to play on the weekends because you work six days, five, maybe six. You get choked out. Now the soil that we most hope for, and I know I'm running late here, is this verse 23. He who received seed on the good ground is he who who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. This is the highest and the best knowledge and relationship that we could ever hope for with the Lord Jesus. It's all within that relationship and that pathway that He has called us to follow. The hearing and the understanding of His Word. Did you notice those words? He who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the Word and understands it. That goes back to the words that we've been saying. You and I have to spend time in God's Word getting to know Him. And if if you're only spending your obligatory 5 to 15 minutes in the Scriptures each day, that's not going to work. You have to earnestly pursue after this knowledge of the Lord Jesus. It is only then that you and I, when we do that, will bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. That's God's plan for us.
that we would pursue after Him in increasing measure and know that today had what it had, but tomorrow I want to do more. So let's close with these words. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's pray.